Well, hey, good morning again. So did any of you get outside last Tuesday? Oh, Sam, wasn't this spectacular? It was beautiful. Tuesday was about as perfect a day as you can get. And Tuesday is one example among many of why so many of us really do believe in a creator. I, I spent a, a lot of time, especially in high school, trying to disprove that there was a God. And I tell you, a day like Tuesday is really hard to to come up with a rational explanation of how that just happened all, all by itself. And you know what else, this might sound counterintuitive, but, but you know what else convinces me more and more that the biblical worldview is accurate? It's the brokenness that we see. And the reason that that to me confirms the biblical worldview is because the Bible describes that. The Bible describes this world that's good, and this world in which the created rebels against the creator. And instead of going by his way, his truth, his life, we go our own way. And boy, that just leads to so much hurt. It leads to so much brokenness. And it, 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 it's something that I see all around us. When you rebel against the God of sunsets and the God of the oceans and the God of mountains and the God of these 72 degree gorgeous days, you can expect that you're going to find this level of brokenness and dysfunction and all these kind of things. And I tell you what, I, I'm 52 years plus now, and I've never in my life, and many of you, you you're, you're older than I am, and maybe you agree with this, I've never seen our nation in my lifetime this divided and this polarized, and in many ways, this broken. And so many of these trends that we've been talking about in this little series we're doing here and, and for the last months, so many of these things are, are direct headwinds against those of us who are trying to follow Jesus. And if you're taking notes, I wanna invite you to write this down. Hurricane force headwinds right now are putting churches to the test. And there's a whole lot of churches right now that are struggling even to survive. Consider some of these statistics. The SBC, the Southern Baptist Convention, they're down, if I'm understanding this correctly, 400,000 members over the last year. PCUSA, down 56,000. Both of the Covenant Church plants that started when we did in 2007, 2008, they're no longer, they don't exist anymore. According to Church Scouts, who's based here in, in, in the area, 86% of congregations in, the, in Minnesota are either stalled or declining when it comes to the number of folks in, involved. And according to Gallup, less than half of the U.S. population right now even has a church home. And look at this one. According to Barna, who's not exactly the half full kind of guy, but, but even if he's off by 50% here, you know, um, Barna says only 6% hold a Christian worldview. So here's, here's my question. How will people know the God of Tuesday if no one offers a compelling case? As people continue down this path that we see where it's leading, as people continue down this path to record levels of division and debt and addiction and loneliness and anxiety and abuse, who's gonna let them know and present a compelling case that the God who created the galaxies knows them and cares about them? and doesn't want them to walk alone. That there is a God who does hear their prayers. There's a God who wants to help. 
and he calls us to be a part of that. Well, this is a teaching series about that. We're, we're calling this little short series, it's just a three-week series, started last week, ends next week. We're calling it Build With Us. And we're inviting you to, to join with us in a very unconventional building project. What we're gonna do, it's unconventional, because we're setting our course right into the wind. And we're committed to doing all that we can to help more people become more like Jesus in authentic community. Before we dive in this morning too, I wanna just hit, hit, hit pause. If you are under the age of 20, I want you to know this is as much for you as for anyone. In fact, you could make the case, this is more for you than it is for us because this is your church and it's gonna be your church longer than it's gonna be my church. <laughs> right? And there's going to be a day we're going to be handing you the keys to this whole thing. And so we're inviting you right now at your age to help be a part of this too. So don't tune out. If anything, tune in because we're coming together alongside of you to help build a church that you are excited about. And let's get started right now. The book of the Bible that we've been looking to for wisdom and guidance in this series is called the Book of Nehemiah. And oh, Nehemiah is where you can find one of, find one of my all-time favorite Bible verses. It's Nehemiah 4 verse 9 and it says, we prayed and we posted a guard. We prayed and. Does this verse resonate with anybody else? I love this verse. Nehemiah felt called by God to mobilize a massive building project. And as he did, Israel's enemies came and they, and they wanted to come against him and they threatened him. And what was the first thing Nehemiah did? He prayed. But is that all that Nehemiah did? No, he prayed and. And what we're going to look at today, because last week we looked at the prayer part. Today we're going to look at the and part. Because we are a church that prays and the pray part, if you want to use this building analogy, the pray part, that's like getting the blueprints. We're seeking God's will. God, where do you want us to go? And then the and part, that is like gathering the materials and actually getting to work. What happens if you don't have the right blueprints? You don't build the right thing. What happens if you don't ever gather the, the materials and get to work? Nothing gets done. So it's pray and. And let's see how this plays out in Nehemiah beyond the, the posting of a guard. If you brought your Bible with you, please turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 3, verse 1 through, 14, or 1 through 13. And I'm just going to be honest with you here. I'm going to break the fourth wall a little bit as if you know, we always want to try to break the fourth wall. I've got pronunciation guides in here because there are these insanely crazy names that I'm going to be stumbling over. Names that if you're looking for a unique Bible name, you know, um, hey, the, here, here you go. <laughs> There's... Oh my word. So those of you who know um, Hebrew, you're going to be laughing at me out loud, but I'll do my absolute best. Here we go. This is Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Then Eliashub, the high priest, rose up with his brothers and priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated and set the doors. They consecrated as far as the Tower of the Hundred, as far as the Tower of Hanael. Hanel, and um, next to him, the men of Jericho built. And next to them, Zakur, the son of Imri, built. The sons of Hansena built the fish gate and they laid the beams and set the doors, its bolts and the bars. Next to them were Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hakuz, um, repaired. Next to them, Meshulam, the son of Barak. I, I wasn't kidding about this today, was I? Son of Meshezabel, repaired. And next to him, Zadok, the son of Bana, repaired. Next to them, the Tekoites, repaired. And their nobles, look at this though, 
their nobles would not stoop to serve the Lord. Joadiah, the son of Pasiah, and Meshulam, the son of Bethsodelia, uh, repaired the gates of Yashana. And they laid the beams and set the doors and its bolts and its bars. Next to them repaired Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Mer- Maranothite, the men of Gibeon and the men of, uh, and of Mizpah, the seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Next to them, Uziel, the son of uh, Harhiah, the goldsmiths repaired. Next to them, Hananiah, one of the perfumers repaired. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Next to them, Rephiah, the son of Hur, the ruler of the Hast district of Jerusalem repaired. Next to them, Jedidiah, Jediah, the son of Har Omaph, repaired opposite his house. I'm just going to take off, Sam. Can you come up and take? take no. All right, here we go. And it goes on and on and on and on. And, and, and go ahead and you can scroll through those, those other slides. Here's my point. This goes even on beyond what we're reading here in terms of listing very specific people, listing very specific things that they did. And it even goes as far as listing here is their area that they were known for, but they were also doing this. As I was reading through this, I decided to, to put a lot of these texts on the screen for you to see them. I also want to invite you to keep reading through there and see Nehemiah names a whole lot of names. You know what that reminds me of? It reminds me of when you get to the end of a movie, especially a big production. Think of something like one of those Marvel movies. And it just scrolls names after names after names. And it lists, here's the name and here's what they did. Here's the name and here's what they did. Here's the name and here's what they did. In this building project that Nehemiah was called to, this important and huge building project, almost everyone was serving in some capacity. This was a pray and. This was a pray and serve. That's one of two things that they did that applies to us also in our context. There's a place to write this first thing down. And when you do, I'm also going to invite you to write the second thing down too. The walls of Jerusalem, they would have remained in ruins if the people didn't, one, step up and serve, and two, contribute their tithes and offerings. We just talked about serving and how everybody, almost everybody was involved doing something. And then there's also the contributing part, their tithes and offerings. This principle of God first giving, it is found throughout the Bible. And it shouldn't come as a surprise that you're gonna find it in the book of Nehemiah. When we tithe, let's start, there's two different words, tithes and offerings. When you tithe, what you're doing is you're acknowledging everything is a gift from God. And everyone was expected to tithe. Everyone is expected to honor God by saying, okay, we believe God gave us everything and now we set aside 10% and we give that back to God's work. Here's one of several places it's referenced in Nehemiah. This is Nehemiah 13 verses 10 through 12. The context for this little section is that Nehemiah got people to build the wall and return to following God's laws. So this comes near the end of Nehemiah. And then he left for a while and he comes back and they just had gotten soft on the very things that they had just he just gotten the people to do. And one of those was the tithe. You know, there, this, this tithe in this was supposed to go to help fund these people called the Levites so that they could devote their first and best of their day to full-time ministry. And, uh, and here's, here's what it says. Nehemiah 13, verses 10 through 12. I also found out when I got back that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them. So that the Levites and the singers who did the work 
they had to go back to their own fields to care for themselves and their families. So I confronted the officials and I said, hey, and look at the language he uses here. Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their stations. And then all Judah brought the tithe of grain, oil, and storehouses. So you see, here's the tithe, here's what it was for. And then it says everyone was expected to be involved in that way. Okay, the tithe then was an expectation, uh, an expectation for everybody. And then there's offerings. Now, offerings are spoken of different throughout the Bible, but there is a precedent here for this where offerings are sometimes described as something that isn't necessarily for everybody. It's more of a free will for a certain situation. So here's an example of that. I'm turning for this example to the book of Ezra. Many scholars would say Ezra is actually in Nehemiah. They're, they're really one book, at least in the oldest manuscripts. So here we go. This is Ezra chapter 2, verses 68 through 69. Some of the heads of families, when they came to the house of the Lord, that is in Jerusalem, they made free will offerings for the house of God to erect it on its site. And then look at that, each according to their ability. So this is different amounts, different people, more of a free will situation to help fund this building project. So again, tithe expectation for everyone. They went to provide for the Levites who were called to serve in special ministry roles. Then there were also free will offerings that weren't required, but were used to help pay for special projects. So praying, serving, and giving in Nehemiah's building project, they all went hand in hand. Without prayer, Nehemiah would have never been there doing this. And then if no one gives, there's nothing to build with. If no one serves, there's nobody to build. Okay, so this is an Old Testament example. When we turn to the New Testament, what does Jesus do? He raises the bar. When it comes to prayer, we see his example. When it comes to giving, what did he say? You know, when it's giving, he says, give to Caesar what is Caesar. And then he says, give to God what is God's. Well, what is God's? Everything. We're to steward everything as though it's God's because it, it is. And then that's giving. What about serving? What kind of example did Jesus set with serving? What did Jesus say? He said, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So there's where Jesus took it. So I invite you to write this down as, as we try to follow the example of Jesus because that's what we're about in this church. We're trying our best follow the example of Jesus and help more people know what that means to follow him. Those who hear Christ's words and put them into practice are like a wise person who built their house on a rock. So here's the question then. Questions, what if we prayed like Jesus prayed? What if we gave to God what is God's? And what if we all served as Christ modeled and taught? Can you imagine what we could build together? I think we've all seen churches that have been built around personalities. And one of the most tragic things that I've seen is what happens then when either that leader retires or when that leader implodes. What happens to that church if it's built around one person who maybe prays, maybe gives, maybe serves to the best of their ability? I was, I was thinking on this and I had this picture come into my head. So you can imagine, imagine a rocky shoreline and there's two little churches out there on a point. And here comes this hurricane wind coming in. And in one church, there's one person and they're working like crazy to try to hold this thing to the rock. They anchor it down, batten down the hatches, try to keep this thing from blowing away in the midst of that hurricane. And then there's another where it's everybody. 
everybody's working together to keep that thing anchored, to patch up what gets broken, and to keep things moving forward. Which one is gonna do a better job of surviving that storm? And beyond surviving, if you're a person and you're caught in that storm alone and, and you wanna find shelter, where are you gonna go? Are you gonna be drawn to the one where it's one person and, and everyone else is just kind of sitting there watching? Or are you gonna be drawn to this other community where everyone's in it together? Wow, what if all of us, what if all of us applied the pray and principle? And specifically today, what if we all applied the pray and give, pray and serve as Jesus modeled, as Jesus instructed? When it comes to giving, we try to make that as simple as possible. You can go to manual.church slash give. And what we did is we included several Bible passages there where you can look them up. I, I invite you to look them up in context. Please do. Fact check us on all this. And, and then in addition to that, it's got some very simple ways where you can, can give. And then today, what I want to focus on the most here is today is a great opportunity to learn different ways where you can serve and to reflect on those. You can serve in an area of strength. You can serve in an area of passion. You can serve in an area of need. You can serve in an area that's a couple of those things. Just start serving, right? Let's do this together. So here I'm going to give you a really quick list. Here are just a few examples of areas where you can come and serve. You know, and if you'd like to get involved or learn more about these, uh, you can go to the expo that we were talking about earlier and that Caitlin will tell you even more about in a little bit here. Um, or you can use your, connect, your online connection card. Go to manu.church slash next. Um, find that little link to connection card and let us know, hey, I want to learn more about this. So here we go. Here's just a quick rapid fire list of some areas you can serve in. I have a category here, community building and spiritual formation. You can help with kids and teens, welcome in hospitality, Alpha course, prayer course, small churches, Saturday seminars, Sunday services, groups and events, camps and retreats, and this thing called farm church, which looks like it'll fire up in the fall. In the creative arts, we could use musicians and vocalists, video and photography, websites, storytelling, drama. In the area of care and connection, last week we talked about some of these trends that are not trending the right way when it comes to uh, loneliness, anxiety, domestic abuse, substance abuse, trafficking, homelessness. Here is your chance to connect with people who are making a real difference in these areas. We got prayer and care teams, dwelling place, restore honor, Quincy House, Union Gospel Mission, and Manage Children's Home. And when it comes to capacity, I put a creative category called capacity. Leadership, operations, finances, uh, facilities, event planning, administration. Again, this is just for starters. All right, what I wanna do is I wanna give you just two more examples here and then give an opportunity to respond to this. Here are two areas that have been reflecting on a lot while I've been out of the office over the last couple of weeks. Let's start with this new studio space. This is the closest thing we've got to an actual building construction type project. Um, in addition, besides the roof that we're gonna put over a children's home, we'll tell you more about that next week. But even this, it is so unconventional in so many ways. What we're working on here in New Brighton, it is different than any other building project, at least that I've been involved with as a church. And it's part of a bigger picture. It's part of us also being a part of that community center. You know, when we first moved in there, the conventional wisdom is you stay in the community center until you grow and then you buy a piece of land, you build a building, and then you, you move in. But very early on, we're like, why would we leave the community center? This is amazing. And so along the way, we, we began to fill it up and we knew we were gonna have to do something else too, but it was in addition to rather than in place of. 
And so really early on, we started creating something called a building fund, not a building fund, a future fund, knowing that this might not take a conventional track. And then several years ago, we got this other phrase, seven day space. Instead of just assuming that our next step would be purchase land, build a building, take out a massive mortgage, we thought let's someday we're gonna need that seven day space. And here, here, here we are right now in this amazing space. Fast forward to 2021. Moving into the space we can use for Bible study, seminars, youth group, conferences, so much more. We're getting really close to wrapping up phase one. Phase one was paid for from that future fund. And now we're moving into a phase two. Phase two is gonna involve getting a coffee bar, nice comfortable seating, fixing up bathrooms and, and more. And as we think about funding that, we're probably gonna to need to do some sort of fund drive. And raise your hand if you've seen those done poorly. Poorly, the whole offerings part. So we're gonna try our best to, to get wise voices helping us speak in. How do we do that well in a way that doesn't feel heavy and you know, overhanded and manipulative and all that kind of stuff? How can we really truly have it be a free will type deal? So if you got ideas about that, let us know. Some of you have been hearing us talk about one of the things we're gonna do in here called Studio Church. A, a step in that direction now you can get involved with right now. Um, reach out to Jason and say, hey, I'd like to come on Tuesday nights and be a part of what the filming that happens on Tuesday nights with the worship band. It is a cool community. I've heard so many great things. It's a great group of people to hang out with. They usually sometimes will have food and, and, and beverages and things like that. And then they'll create this great content and pray for one another. If you want to get involved, Tuesday nights, it's happening right now. And those of you right now are still in this empty studio, just me and Sam, if you're available on Thursday afternoons, I would love to have you come here and get a chance to spend time with you and, and have live people in this room besides the two of us. So there's some ways right now you can get involved. Beyond that, it is our hope to be able to launch an actual Sunday morning service right here on Sunday mornings. Our hope would be to put a launch team together this summer to be able to start having monthly, once a month, services in the fall and go weekly in, the, um, in, in Advent. There's no way we could do that without more people getting involved, stepping up to give and to serve. So if that's something you're interested in, stay tuned. We'll have more information as the summer progresses. All right, let me just give you one more way that you can plug in and serve. And this one's big. This one's big. It's gonna go way beyond our church family. Some of you were with us in January, 2020 when we did a series on blame. And as we were doing that series, it was very strong. And look back at my language. The language was very strong. It was impressed upon us. This is more than something just for us. Imagine a world where people blamed less. Not never, but less. And then imagine, what if many of us as we're experiencing this and the difference it's made in our lives since 2020, imagine now if we could get people in every state and in every sector of society who are experiencing what it's like to blame circumstance less, to blame others less, to not shame others or let shame come in ourselves, to not scapegoat. Imagine if people were living in that reality and helping to equip others to do the same. Well, right now there's no hub that I can find where it takes, there's a lot of great individual articles and things like that, but there's no hub that has a comprehensive teaching and unpacking of where blame comes from and then what we can do and how do we retrain our brain and, and, and these different areas that are affected by blame, as well as a place then that brings together the best of the best resources so people can go in, get trained up, and then go and help create a culture that blames less. 
and also a place where you can go to get specific resources, blameless for churches, blameless for businesses, blameless for families, blameless for schools, blameless for sports teams. Man, some refs would love to get that one, wouldn't they? Coaches. So if you're interested, we'll fire up the slide here, blameless project. Um, we've got a date on the calendar. It's uh, July 12th, come, and we'd love to tell you more about specifics on this thing and how you can get involved. So there you have it. There's just a couple ways to serve. And I wanna, we're getting close here to the end of this message. I wanna give this quote. Some people spend their entire lives indefinitely preparing to live. How sad is that? Someday I'm gonna, someday I'm gonna, someday. Let's have our someday be right now. Right here, right now. Let's reflect on our levels of giving, our levels of serving and say, I'm in God, what's my next step? So in your notes, this is there, but um, in case you haven't opened up your note page and everything we'll put up on the screen here too. When it comes to giving, where are you at? And at in reference to this um, continuum that we've used, this tool. When it comes to giving, are you at keep some? Are you at share some? Are you at God first giving? Or are you at, hey, I'm just joyfully stewarding everything. Where are you at and then what's your next step? Ask yourself, reflect on that question. And then the next one, when it comes to serving, where are you at, where are you, where's your next step? Are you, if you're honest, are you at the spot of, I'm really a consumer when it comes to serving, I'm just, this is all one-sided. Are you at the spot where I'm volunteering? Are you at the spot where I'm actually recruiting others? Are you at the spot where I'm training others? We can't build this, what we're building without you. And you know what? We wouldn't want to. God has given you individual talents and gifts. He's given you a personality. You're a person we want to get to know better and to, to welcome into this family. And what a great day to make that commitment on a communion Sunday, on a day when we commemorate the example that Christ set, the fact that we can invite his spirit into our lives to orient our minds and our hearts towards the way that he sees things, the things that he's passionate about. If you're new to our church, when we commemorate communion here, we commemorate this real event. Our Lord Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant of my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. There is so much that the Bible does not say about the sacrament of Holy Communion. It doesn't give a specific age. It doesn't give a specific method. It doesn't prescribe a specific type of bread or wine. But here's what it does say, at least one of the things it says. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 27 through 28. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine themselves then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. So what we're gonna do together is examine ourselves. If you can pray these prayers with sincerity that we're about to pray, we wanna invite, we wanna welcome you to the Lord's table with us today. So what you could do is you could take a piece of bread, break it off, dip it into your juice, and as you do, remember, this is the body, this is the blood of Christ given for you and shed for you. As you do that, remember, it's not about getting the ritual right. It's about having this relationship that you desire to live authentically. So let's do it. Let's, let's prepare ourselves now. I invite you to pray these prayers with me. I invite you wherever you are. 
Pray these prayers out loud with me. Let's join our voices together because we are in this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open and all desires are known, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which you're about to receive, but say the word and we'll be made clean. Father, I pray now that you will, my brothers, my sisters, as we gather here, Lord, that you will, with your, your kindness that leads us to repentance, that you will remind us of and, and help us to be honest as we look at where we're at and that you'll give us the next step. Father, thank you that through your son, you gave us those words, your yoke is easy, your burden is light. I pray that even as we make these decisions regarding money and time, neither of which we feel like we got too much of, that you'll help us to have joy in our decisions as we see the good work you're doing in and through us. And now, Father, in one more act of solidarity before we uh, commemorate communion together, before we close with this song, we pray a prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.